I was in my Target twin set pajama set, collapsed on the bathroom floor, literally laying there. My cheek is on the wet tile cold floor. And something inside me said, enough. I had been going to the doctor, I had collapsed in the hospital that I had managed a couple months before, but I just kept going. I kept ignoring those signs. And I remember just looking up at the ceiling in my bathroom saying, universe, God, whatever, help me, help me. As you climb the corporate ladder, it's easy to get focused on that next prize that you forget about yourself and experience burnout. In this episode of the Creator Community, we'll learn how to identify this challenge and how to find your way out and live the extraordinary life you want. Check out the show. Welcome to the Creator Community. This is a podcast for book publisher, New Degree Press, or NDP, powered by Manuscripts, Inc. I'm your host, John Saunders. This show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. In the show, we learn about their authors, their journeys, and the extraordinary lessons and messages from their books. This year, NDP will cross over 1,700 published authors on six continents and has earned a spot on the Inc. 5000 list for the second year in a row. This is the fastest growing privately held companies in America. If you've ever thought of writing a book but weren't sure where to start or how to finish, visit manuscripts.com to learn more. This is episode 10 of season six, and today I'm with me, Hannah Morgan Austin. She's the author of Hello Head, Meet Heart, which is out now wherever you buy books online. Hannah has been married 16 years, has no kids and a dog. She is a highly sought after corporate leader specializing in management and prevention of burnout in professionals. As the CEO and founder of She Shatters, she coaches corporate leaders and organizations in management strategies that help them burn brightly without burning out. Prior to founding She Shatters, Hannah spent 20 years working as an executive in the healthcare industry. After experiencing burnout in 2021 and witnessing her colleagues suffering for burnout en masse, she founded She Shatters later that year. With the goal of helping employees and managers find balance in their personal and professional lives and leading an anti-hustle culture movement. Hannah, extraordinary background. Great to see you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. It's really my pleasure. Before we get into your book, which has so many extraordinary lessons to help people with burnout and identify it, tell us a little bit about your career journey. You know, what led you to this moment? Sure. Well, I started my career at an early, early age, 2021, and I was in charge of managing the largest assisted living in the state of Oregon. So I, at the age of 21 years old, had 100 employees who were significantly older than me, and I had never managed people before. So it was one of those moments in my career where it was like, you got to sink or swim, right? And I swam uh, for that entire 20 years and quickly realized that, you know, paddling frantically under the scenes and being perfect on the outside quickly got me promoted, but it also quickly burned me out several times during my 20-year career. And that's what brings me here today. How does somebody get, become a manager of 100 people at 21 years old? Great question. So I actually out of school, I had done a huge internship and, and took a, a nursing home examiner's board examination that's federally and state regulated and passed because I had gone to school for that, my undergraduate. And I went into interview as a marketing director based on my personality and just thought, hey, that may be a good win right after college. And during the interview, the manager said to me, you're interviewing for the wrong job. I want you to actually be the executive director of the entire facility. And I said, that sounds like a big job. And he said, 
I think you can do it. I think you've got the energy. I think you've got the drive. I need someone like you. And I took the job. He hired me and I was there almost four years. Wow. I got promoted to another role, a regional role. And then that company got taken over and then I got promoted again. So again, it was that reinforcement of behavior that what I was doing was working, but underneath and behind the scenes, I was really struggling with my health and stress levels, but I just kept going. It was working on paper, but working for who we might ask, right? Which is oftentimes a question. I mean, it was working for me. I was getting promoted. I got to buy a house at a young age. I had my dream car. You know, I was able to travel. I mean, I lived a really great life externally. And on the inside, I thought I was happy because I thought I should be doing this. It's what society wants us to do. And I was born to do, right? But really, I wasn't paying attention to the signs. And I wasn't emotionally aware enough at the age of 20 and 21, 22 to say, I'm going to stop. Wow. Before we dig more into the lessons there and so many you have, you know, how did you discover the author coaching program? And you know, you're a busy person running this company. How did you fit it into your life? Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot of things that happened those 20 years, but when I crashed and burned in my last position, I was really lost. I was super depleted and I decided to resign from my job. So at that point, I was trying to discover what's next for me because what I had planned my entire 20 years wasn't what was charted in front of me at that point. So I was kind of Googling and connecting with people on LinkedIn. And I came across Jim Young, who is a fellow NDP author who has an amazing book on burnout, Expansive Intimacy. And he and I connected and we just hit it off. I mean, both of our stories were so parallel. He's such a funny guy, but he also has a really generous heart. And he said, you've got to talk to Eric Custer from Book Creator Program, NDP. And Eric and I chatted. And I kid you not, John, I've never met so much, a person so more energetic than me. Like that guy, it made me look like a a dead fish. Like he was super excited, super animated. And I'm like, I feel like I found my brother. And he encouraged me to keep writing, keep writing down all the things that I was going through in my journal and said, this could actually be a book, Hannah. And I'd love to have you as part of the book creator MBT team. Incredible. And shout out to Jim Young, who actually was on the show last season. And one of the most interesting trainings he's ever taken, by the way, he said he was a funny guy, was improv. He did. He went through a series yes. of improv courses, which yes. I thought was fascinating. So Hannah, how did you fit this thing into your life? When something's important to you, when, when there's a dream that you've had since you were four years old, when mine was to write a book, you make it work, right? It's kind of the same reason when I got my N- MBA while I was working, you do it on nights and weekends, you do you get up at 4 a.m., you do what it takes to actually reach a goal. And this was just one of those goals. But this one was a little bit different in that this re- this goal really came from my heart, right? I wanted it in my entire life. And that was really the fuel that, you know, helped me really commit to it, committed to starting it and committed to finishing it. That is awesome. We make the time for things that are important to us. Yes. Well, but one more question about the book journey before we get into the, to the book itself. I love the cover. It's simple. It's elegant. It's colorful. How did that process come together for you? Oh my gosh. I... I love colors, you can see from my outfit and from my background. I love design. One of the things that was most important to me, honestly, was that someone in the bookstore or someone looking on Amazon for a book, it was unique and different, right? So those of you that can't see the book, it's it's a black cover and then just very bold rainbow writing. I also flipped the the text so it was a little bit more vertical instead of horizontal. And I think people really like that it's unique and different. To take it a step further, though, that was what I thought. 
But really, all that matters is what does the reader think? And so I turned it over to my community at She Shatters and just on Instagram and LinkedIn. And I asked people, what's resonating with you? And I use that actually as a beta test for what color speaks to you. And I loved people. They would say red, yellow. And then I'd message them and say, well, why? What emotion are you feeling right now in the world? And John, I actually used their responses and answers and incorporated that into my book, And the overwhelming message of the community at that point in time during COVID was hope. People wanted to hear a message of hope. And that's what I tried to thread through the entire book. And I certainly got that sense. I just bought your book the other day and a couple chapters into it. I so enjoyed it. And wow, took us just in the first couple chapters, some pretty painful moments in your life. So hello, head, meet, heart, Hannah. Let's go there. What is this book about? Oh, gosh, this book is about rising from the ashes of burnout or if you're experiencing burnout and learning how to tap into your extraordinary life. And the how is really important. There's a lot of self-help books out there. I've read a lot of them and I just didn't feel like they were necessarily helpful to me. And as you unfold the book and kind of go through the book, it's really designed for you as the reader to follow along throughout your journey, wherever that is in your burnout phase or just frankly, your darkest moment phase. And it's an opportunity and almost like a best friend that's asking you and whispering softly those questions of what brings you joy? What are you doing to take care of yourself? What lights you up? It gives you kind of a scripting and phrasing for having those deep conversations with those you love and developing a team around you to support you in your darkest moment. Wow. Burnout, darkest moments, pretty painful stuff here we're talking about, but certainly I know you have a story that you share in the book that blew my mind. But before we jump into that, who would you say, let's go a little bit deeper here. Who's this book for? Gosh, John, I thought it was going to be for women like me, right? Women who are high performing, middle middle level management, upper level management, who's had a plan their entire life and then something happens. Divorce, death, COVID, an illness, whatever. But what I quickly discovered is it was resonating with everyone from 18-year-olds. I have a 92-year-old. I have people reading this book at all ages and gamuts. And what I didn't know was that that thread of hope is running through that book, running through the book. And people are really resonating resonating with that. A lot of my beta readers are saying, and people now, it's not really beta anymore, it's live, but people are saying to me, you said something on a page that I've been saying to myself for years. And I actually read your book out loud because it's like me saying it. And I love it when readers are texting me saying, I'm on chapter four and I have tears streaming down my face. And then I'm on chapter six and it's like, go girl, I know I can do this. You're giving me the hope I need. So I love hearing that this book has become kind of a silent friend for them. Taking people through this journey of your own struggles and how you overcame it and giving them a roadmap to get there themselves. So it does take a lot of work. You said it was meaningful. You had a why, you had a mission behind this book, Hannah. What drove you to get it done? Gosh, talking with so many people during COVID and just my career in general, my employees as well, and they just felt so stuck you know, that stuck feeling that you just are living kind of that groundhog day over and over and over again, and feeling like you're just living an ordinary life, feeling like you're just going through life, going through the motions unconsciously. And I just really wanted something that I felt like I could help them and at least get them started on their journey towards what they really want to do, whatever that is. 
let's so many times it's just hard to get out of the gate, right? We feel stuck. Yes. We don't know where to even begin and take that first step. And you're making that first step very accessible for them. Yeah. You know, as you wrote this book, what would you say was the hardest thing for you to, to get it done? If I'm truly transparent, but I'm a pretty direct person, it was myself. I, you know, writing in your journal is one thing. Writing your deepest, darkest thoughts, feelings, hopes is one thing. Putting it on the page and being brave enough to hit send to your editor or live on Amazon, that has been the biggest fear is how are going to, how are people going to perceive this? Is that external factors? And that's something that I think we all struggle with, like just perception of others, or am I being too vulnerable or, but for the first time in my life, I will say those times that I hit enter, those times that I hit send, I felt the freest that I've ever felt, even though it was a little bit terrifying. I also think those things that are terrifying are also the most compelling. So Helen can move us forward to help us grow. I was on an interview a little while back and the, the person asked me, what was the hardest thing about writing the book for you? And and I honestly, I, I don't think I had been asked that question up until this point. And I said, deciding when it was done. Yes. Because you can yes. always edit this and that. I and I still I still look at the book and think, oh, I wish I would have put, used a different word here. I'm editing on Amazon. I'm like emailing Author Central, like that period needs to go here. And I'm like, just let it go. Right. Just let it, it go. It doesn't matter. It took me a while to let it go for sure. But I really appreciate that vulnerable answer you just gave, which is yeah. it was me that was holding me back. And that's, yeah. I think, a big part of what this community different process helps you overcome, right? You're writing yes. with a slew of other folks, dozens of other people. Yes going through the same challenge and you can really share and brainstorm with each other. And, you know, as you go through any great challenge, it's really nice to do it with a, a group of like-minded people around you. Absolutely. So early feedback from the group. I know you've gotten your number one on I think five different categories now on Amazon. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. What's been the early feedback from your beta readers? What's that been like? Oh gosh, we've been waiting for this for 40 years or we've been waiting for you to tell your story. Your story is mine. Your story is mine. And that I think now more than ever in our country with economic downturn and COVID and just a sense of loneliness, just a sense of unity and that we're there for each other. And I love my sense of connection with these readers. I love it when people message me on Instagram or LinkedIn, strangers. Like I, I told my husband this morning, I'm laying in bed, checking my email, getting ready for you. And I was like, oh my gosh, the stranger is texting me and saying like, I am in chapter four, loving your book. I'm going to use this. I'm going through a divorce right now. I thought this book was for people with burnout. I didn't think it was for people who are divorced. I had a woman who lost someone two years ago, a best friend. And she's like, this book is, you're like my friend again. Do you mind if we connect? And I'm like, absolutely love to hear from you. How can I help you? So just that connection with people, it, it fuels my heart. Is it, That's amazing. Is it fair to say that burnout is linked to stress? And these can come from oh. many different places, not just yeah. your career. Is that what we're hearing I mean, from the feedback? I really get upset when I Google the definition of burnout because it's so small, right? It's being not not firing on cylinders in any part of your life, exhaustion, stress, depression, anxiety. And in chapter I think two or three of my book, I, I say, like, I was Googling, what the heck was wrong with me? Why am I on the bathroom floor? I mean, you can see me now. This is the old Hannah, right? This is the, this is really Hannah. But when you're lying on the bathroom floor, contemplating suicide in your darkest moment, you think there's something wrong with you. And what was wrong with me was I wasn't, lit up anymore inside. I had been in a career that, you know, depleted a lot of me, right? And in all fairness, a lot of it was what I was doing. I wasn't setting boundaries. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was putting my job first. I was a workaholic and I take full responsibility for that. But I think ultimately burnout can show up in so many different ways. And that's why it's such, such a hard challenge right now for so many of us with the pandemic is, 
I mean, we don't, is it loneliness? Is it burnout? Is it depression? It doesn't matter what it is. You're just not okay. And you need help. You talked a little bit about that story that you start the book out with uh, the bathroom floor. So let's go a little bit deeper into that, Hannah. Yes. What was living with burnout like for you? Clearly you you found yourself there. What, yeah. what did that moment, what did those moments feel like for you? It was lonely. It was really lonely because I was a manager and leader of a really big, incredible team at one of the largest health systems in the country. And I pulled myself up every single day, even if I was crying in the bathroom beforehand, I would appear like this right? I would be fine externally to the point that when I actually gave notice at work saying I couldn't do this anymore, I was leaving. Everyone was shocked. Everyone was shocked that what she does the work of three people. She's, you know, has such energy. What? Who's going to plan our parties? Who's going to, you know, be our employee champion because I was doing it right. I was functioning. And I often think it's those people, John, that are functioning really well. I mean, Twitch, for example, I think this gentleman just committed suicide recently, public figure, and everyone had said, we never knew. Well, nobody knew. And I was really good at faking it. Often people with addictions or mental health, they they do fake it well, right? They're able to function. And those are the people that you really, really need to check on and ask, are you really okay? Describing those people yourself, Twitch, and, and so many others out there, putting on this mask, right? They're putting on this mask to come to work and make it happen. And everyone thinks, oh, they've got it all together, yes, right? And you're yes. saying, you're saying, check on them and see that they're okay. What are the signs? How do I even know if this person is struggling? Because as you said, you covered it up so flawlessly. Everyone thought, well, yeah, this is I mean, work. I think, I think thinking back on this, and there's a, a, and again, I address this in the book, you know, those people who are the go-to people. So I was often the go-to people for my friends. They would come to me and I'd be the problem solver or the, the person. The people that are actually helping or the people that are have a lot of empathy or the people that are always checking on you, it's not just enough to be like, oh, you know, download all of your concerns and then at the last minute be like, oh, well, I hope you're well. You know, it's really about how are you doing? Checking in with them as well. And I think your question is, what are the signs? There often may not be signs, but there don't have to be, right? It's just asking your employees, how are you really doing? Or if someone gets another project added to their plate and you can already see that they're overwhelmed, you know, be brave and show up in that team meeting and say, gosh, you know, Hannah or John just got another thing added to their plate. What can I do to offload you? I mean, it's just being aware about kind of the volume of work and the volume of energy that someone's expending. High energy people that's a sign. If someone's super high, super excited, always every day, they're doing great on Zoom. Nobody is great every day on Zoom. We're all human, right? So just that double check, that extra moment to say, how are you really doing? And adding that really in there. Be a little empathetic, be a little thoughtful, even to those who seem like they have it most together around you and yes. make sure you know that they're okay. Because right, we all need a little help and support from time to time. And this burnout journey as you continue to share, and I think why it's connecting with so many is it's a lonely journey. It's right. You don't want yeah. to go share this with people. I feel burnt out. I feel overwhelmed. Right. It's kind of makes me look right. weak all of a sudden. Right. right. Yeah. Uh -huh. And when you're, when you're the fixer, you don't want to be broken. And I think I've talked to a lot of people with mental health issues and just saying the fact that I have mental health issues, like I felt broken. Like there is this stigma out there. I'll be fully honest. I felt like I didn't want to say that. And now when I'm speaking across the country and I'm standing on the stage and I look the way that I do and I have a lot of energy and I'm making people laugh and I tell them I was on the bathroom floor contemplating suicide a year and a half ago. I picked myself up because I was tired of living that life. I didn't want to kill myself. 
I just wanted that life to live. I, I wanted that life that I was living to end. Those are two different things and two different distinctions, right? And so it's how do you actually go about that? How do you ask for help? And that was my shining moment where, you know, the universe said to me, pick yourself up. You have a life to live. Get up and dance. You are not dancing in your life. You are going through the moment or the going through the your life unconsciously. You are not living your best life. And then it was like, to me, it was like, well, how do I get live my best life? And Hello, Meet Heart is my love letter to the world saying, I didn't know how to start to live my best life. I didn't know how to start to live an extraordinary life. But here are some steps that you can take. You don't need to Google it like I did. You don't need to talk to thousands of people. You don't need to start a podcast. Just buy Hello, Head, Meet Heart for 99 cents. And it'll start you kind of percolating and being creative and think about what your extraordinary is. 99 cents for a limited time, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The ebook. So you talk about this defining moment. Hannah, for making the change from ordinary to truly extraordinary, which it sounds like so many people want to hear this message and have this roadmap. What what was that moment for you? I think for me, so I think many of the readers can resonate that you're in bed with your partner and you're getting up in the morning and you roll over and what do you do? You check your cell phone. You're laying there. That's the first thing that you do. And it was, I remember that moment specifically, getting up in the morning, rolling over, checking my email and literally... SHIT had hit the fan the night before because I work in a 24 hour operation. So I got up and I went to the bathroom and literally my body collapsed. You know, I was in my Target twin set pajama set, collapsed on the bathroom floor, literally laying there. My cheek is on the wet tile, cold floor. And something inside me said, enough. I had been going to the doctor, I had collapsed in the hospital that I had managed a couple months before, but I just kept going. I kept ignoring those signs. And I remember just looking up at the ceiling in my bathroom saying, universe, God, whatever, help me, help me. I said the two words, I'm going to get a little emotional, but I said, help me. And I'm not a religious person. And something said, you're going to be okay. Get up from the bathroom floor, get up and dance. You are not done. And it was really around, you know, I had the choice. My husband was in the other room, John. He was in the other room, right? The doors were shut and I didn't say it out loud. I just said it to the universe and I got up and I took a shower and I got to my meeting on time and I was on Zoom. And I remember being in that meeting thinking to myself, they don't know. They just don't know. Right. We were planning a party and I was, you know, in charge of the what we were going to do for the the event at the party. And I just I thought to myself, they don't know me like I'm so lonely. I don't look lonely, but I'm so lonely. And that was kind of the start of realizing that that I couldn't do this anymore, that I needed help. And I was able to ask the universe and whoever. And then I had a conversation with my husband and he said, I never knew. I didn't know this. Why didn't I know this? You're, I'm your husband. And I said, I was, ash- I was ashamed. I was ashamed to be feeling these feelings. I was not okay, but I didn't, I couldn't say it out loud. And finally saying it out loud made it real. And then I started talking to people and they're like, I feel the same. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. If I only would have said how I was feeling sooner, what would it have been like, right? And then the process unfolded of me resigning and whatnot. But that was really the darkest moment of, I I don't want to do this anymore. And that clear distinction of, I didn't want to kill myself. I just wanted the life that I was living to end. And then figure out how to start a new one. I didn't want to kill myself. I just wanted the life I was living, I was engrossed in to end. 
Wow. What a powerful statement. You got up off the floor. You went and did those meetings with a smile on your face. Everyone was talking about who wants cake. And you're thinking, I want to kill myself an hour or two ago, right? Yeah. Unbelievable. You talked to your husband next. You know, for those struggling out there, you know, where did you go from there? Because I would imagine this pain and depression didn't just disappear all of a sudden. What, what were yeah. the next couple of steps for you? I mean, you know, I gave notice at work. I gave a month's notice. I had to unravel a lot of 20 years of, you know, work, right? And so finally, when my last day of work, it was heartbreaking, but joyous thinking I have a new chapter. That next three months was really around that I took the time off was really around discovering who I was again, who I was without a 24 hour cell phone or, you know, being addicted to work. It was really scary to feel like I'm not needed anymore. Who am I? I'm not a businesswoman anymore. When I went to a party, I'd be like, hi, I'm Hannah. What do you do for? I just resigned from my job. (laughs) Right. I mean, so that was really, frankly, it was a bruise to the ego. Frankly, it was looking myself in the mirror and saying, who are you? And I didn't know. So I decided to check myself into a spa. I Googled where did Oprah go when she was kind of at her low and They recommended Canyon Ranch in Arizona. And I went to that and I went for the first time by myself for an entire week. And it was the best thing I could have done for myself. It was a no cell phone rule. When you got there, you had to put your cell phone in this little cute case and hide it. You couldn't touch it. And that was odd. First of all, it was like, I lost my best friend. I can't look at what's happening, but I didn't care because I had a moment, several moments during that week alone where I met with a spiritual counselor and I did Tai Chi and, you know, I, they asked me some really deep questions. Like what brings you joy? Who are you without your job? No. What's next for you? What do you love to do? What did you love to do when you were seven years old? And what, what, what is your dream? And I kept saying, my dream is to write. And they were saying, well, what steps are you doing to write? And I said, I'm not taking any steps. I haven't had any time. I worked 50, 60 hours. And they said, well, now's the time. And that's where I wrote my first article about my experience at Canyon Ranch. And I thought, well, I really like this. And then I submitted it and it got published. And I thought, why not? I could, I could actually be a writer. My dream could actually become a reality. Wow. When in doubt, go to WWOD. What would Oprah do? Thank you for sharing that, that insight. But what a beautiful journey you went on in seven days without your phone. I had the great privilege to go to Africa this summer and mm. spent for about 12 days and we were in many places. I don't think I saw TV for seven or eight days straight. And, oh, nice. yeah. and my phone worked rarely. You'd kind of get Wi-Fi maybe at the hotel yeah. late at night or something like this. But it was at first couple of days, it was a little weird. And about the third day, I didn't miss it at all. Yeah. And I remember one day thinking, gosh, I wonder what's happening in the news. And I was like, I came back and the, uh, of course, got back into some of my old habits, turned the news on whatever morning it was getting back. I was like, nothing's changed. It's, it's the, the same, same old thing. Mm-hmm. If it bleeds, it yeah. leads. And there's the news yeah. again, right? Yeah. And, wow. So went to the ranch, got revitalized, started writing. And I love this idea of, of creation, right? We start creating, we start writing, and it forces us to really think about what we want to say. Because once we put it in writing and want to share it with someone else, yes. it has to be coherent to them, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, you've learned so much throughout this journey. Hannah, how did the book journey accelerate that learning? Or what else did you learn about yourself through the writing process? Oh. Oh gosh, I learned that to really explore threads, to really tease something out, to take a pause when something gets hard. Specifically, I did have a setback writing the book. I was almost done. I was stuck on one chapter. And surprisingly, it was this chapter was setbacks and blessings is the title. So I was stuck on setbacks, but I just, it wasn't working. And I kept controlling it, trying to control it and push it and push it and push it. 
like I've done my entire life, right? Push, control, push, control. Didn't work, go the other way, you know, just make it happen. And again, I remember not necessarily being on the bathroom floor, but being in the shower going, this is so frustrating. I just have to get through chapter seven because I have chapter eight and nine. Like this roadblock is annoying. And then I thought to myself again, to answer your question earlier, I was the roadblock. I didn't have to be pushing and controlling anymore. What actually happened when I released and let go? What actually happened? So what I did instead of writing, right, physically writing, I picked up my phone. I dictated in an order. This is what I really want to say in chapter seven. And then I you know, uploaded it on Word and then put it in the chapter. And it was exactly what I wanted. And it was because I was like forcing myself in one physical manifestation to do it. What I really wanted was just a conversation with myself. And frankly, this is actually hot off the press. Nobody knows this. I was going to call the book Conversations with Myself because how many of us actually have those deep, dark conversations with us that no one ever knows about? They're the most private. Maybe that's book two, but that was really that moment where I had a conversation with myself. I said, Hannah, get out of your own way. Look what happened when you just got out of your own way. You actually wrote chapter seven. So learning to answer you fully, the biggest lesson I learned is Get out, of, get out of my own way and just let the energy and creativity flow. Don't try to control it. What's really powerful about that story to me is one, the, like having that awareness to even know I need to give up control and kind of trust this process here that I'm involved in. But two, knowing that there's more than one way to write a book, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes yes. people come into this program and they think, oh, I've got this idea and this is what chapter one, two, three, four, so on yes. looks like. Yeah. And then they get frustrated when it sort of doesn't line up with the coaching yes. that you get around here. So I really appreciate your willingness yeah. to pivot, be flexible, and embrace the fact that there's more than one way to build chapters, right? And you did it with an, a recording device. I love about book creators and New Degree Press, like they teach you how to write a book and what constitutes a chapter. In fact, it's so odd. If, you, if anyone's interested in writing a book, it's, you know, John's happy to talk to you. I'm happy. Any of us are happy to talk to you, but it's really cool because it was the best thing I could have done for myself because there's all, it's like puzzle pieces. And it's like, if you've ever seen like a beautiful mind, ultimately the book is going to be the screen that you're going to have, but it's a shit show, right? There's puzzle pieces everywhere. There's chapters <laughs> everywhere. You're trying to move it around. And you're like, this doesn't make sense to me. I think I wrote that in chapter one, but there's these developmental editors and these structural editors that come in with their superwoman, superman capes and say, don't worry, I'm going to help you make sense of it all. And I tell you, John, I, I hope Rachel's listening to this. Rachel Keen was my developmental editor and we had so much fun. We laughed, we cried almost till we peed our pants because she was so immersed in the book. And she said, this is going to change people's lives. We just got to put it in the right place. And so assembling those puzzle pieces and then seeing the puzzle at the end, it's like, I don't have kids, I've never given birth, but probably like the biggest gift you can give is basically handing something to someone and saying, this is my heart. This is me, right? So that's what we did. What a journey. And I really appreciate this emphasis around chapters are built, not written. And that is a real frustration for a lot of people who just assume I'd write chapter one, then two, then three. And no, right. It's a building process. It's yeah. all building blocks. And then you can cut and paste and bring stories into different chapters where they might resonate more or make sense. What a fun part of the journey. And it's amazing when you can connect with your, I think everyone connects with their editor on some level, but it sounds like yours was particularly deep connection. I had, that is I had three really great, I had four really great people. I know a lot of people, you know, it's all personality, right? And I had it. I love this story. I had an editor at the end and she and I have talked about this. So it's kind of a joke now. She was one of those people analytical and I'm not analytical. I, I don't do well with analytical people, but I said to myself, you know what? She's been put in my life for a reason. She's going to be the last kind of brushstroke on this book. And I had a conversation with myself. I said, Hannah, 
You're going to have to work with different people your entire life. You've had to your entire 20-year career and flip it. Use this person as someone that is not your skill set, but needs to add to your skill set and learn from her. And as soon as I changed my mindset with, okay, maybe I do like this person and let me find some common ground here. Then I was like, I love you. You know, so I think it's just about, it's all about how you see things, John. It's all about how you reframe things. And I hate when coaches say that because it's so you know mindful and meditation and reframing, but it truly is. If, if something's a roadblock for you, think about it a little bit differently. Put on different glasses, change your lens and see what happens. Yeah, this sort of flip to, dare I say, a growth mindset you took yeah. there and say, oh, instead yes. of seeing this as a challenge, how can I see this opportunity, this moment, this challenge is set back as a gift and what can I learn yeah. from it? And I really appreciate your thought, thinking around, everyone has something we can learn from them, right? We can learn from, well, there's learning all around us. And sometimes yeah. we can sort of get in this trap of thinking, well, that person, because of pick your favorite stereotype, they can't teach me anything. And here, maybe you had an inkling of that thought with this analytical person. And sure enough, it ended up helping you in many ways. Well, I think and, the other thing is ask for what you need. You know, I'm a very vocal person in the right situation. And somewhat, she was frustrating me. And I was like, well, what am I doing that could be frustrating her? Maybe if I just tell her, this is what I need. And as soon as I told her exactly what I needed, like, hey, it would help me if you X, Y, Z. She's like, I'll do it. And it was like, sometimes I think we're afraid to ask, right? I mean, just we're just afraid to ask. Once you kind of tease out what you need, put it out there. I mean, what's the worst that can happen, right? I mean, they say no or they don't do it. But if you don't ask, you don't get. So. As so many authors I've worked with that go from, you know, you go through a number of editors as you should yes. throughout the journey. Every time they approach a new one, that's always my advice. Let them know how you think. Are you a visual yes. learner, an audible yes. learner? How does how do things work for you? Let them yep. know. And the frustration I find, the people that, the rare few that are really frustrated with those experiences tend to not do that. And they think, well, this person should just know what I want somehow magically, right? And uh, yeah. so good for you for putting it yeah. out there and finding an epic, epic journey. So many incredible positive surprises. Was there anything we missed in the terms of unexpected surprises? No, I mean, I think ultimately it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. So. Well put. Well put. And, you know, I might add, I guess I said it already, but might add to that list being number one in five different categories on the, on well, the, I mean, that was, Amazon, right? that was, um, just touching, touching that it was a ode to my moment of, is anyone going to read this book? That was the universe coming back to me on the bathroom floor saying, good. Well, so glad girl, you got up off the bathroom floor. You know, it was an affirmation for sure. And Incredible. Well, so happy for you, but honestly, unsurprising the way you've approached this, the way you've really embraced the process, the way you've put yourself out there and been vulnerable. And that's what people connect with. But then yeah. on the back end of that, have this very roadmap to kind of help people get out of their own way and get overcome their circumstance and move to this extraordinary life that you you continue to talk about and want to help so many with. So Hannah, what is the key message you hope readers take away from this book? Oh, gosh. You know, I believe that there is an extraordinary inside all of us, but sometimes we all just need a little help to tap into it. So ask for help, be vulnerable, pick up the book and do that deep inner work and no longer let that external world control who you are and who you want to be. Because it is such a lonely place and who wants to be there, right? Love the story, love the message. Hannah, what is next for you and what are some of your goals for the book? Oh, I'm super excited. Of course, we want to reach bestseller. So we are number three right now. It looks like on business ethics. So we're super, super close to actually reaching bestseller status. So I'm really excited about that. 
We need everybody's help to do that. And then I have a couple, you know, really exciting speaking engagements across the country, sharing the message of living an extraordinary life. And I'll be on several news shows as well as radio shows. So super excited to that, to be spreading the message of Hello Head Meet Heart. Incredible radio and media tour coming up and so many great results already. The journey is just getting started for you. I think you've barely scratched the surface yet on where this story is going to take you. (laughs) Hannah, if people want to learn more about you and your story, where, where might they go? Sure. They can visit me on LinkedIn at Hannah Ashton slash She Shatters or Instagram at She Shatters LLC. Amazing. Before we run, I do want to share an early praise quote you got with our listeners just to really hear what an extraordinary person has also shared about your book. And ironically, it's a man. Dr. Marshall Goldsmith is a Thinker's 50, number one executive coach, New York Times bestselling author of Earned Life, Triggers, and What Got You Here Won't Get You There. He shared, break out of the cycle of stress and burnout with Hannah Austin's powerful first book, Hello Head, Meet Heart. With the great resignation and recent explosion of dissatisfaction rates among employees, this book comes at the perfect time and with all the right resources. You walk away with the actionable steps you need to start creating the life and career balance you crave today. How did it feel to get that quote from Mr. Goldsmith? I mean, I was shocked. I was shocked he took the time. I just admire him so much. Obviously, he's a New York Times bestseller and just an overall great human being. And I was just really honored. And it's really resonated the fact that it's a male reader and a male coach is really important that expands the audience around the world. So it's wonderful. So a gentleman like that, who's so busy and has this incredible business, how do you even get on his radar screen to get a quote like that? Well, I, you know, messaged him on LinkedIn and told him how important the book was to me and sent him a nice note and just, you know, let him know how much I honor and appreciate him. And he did it. I mean, I've done that with 50, 100 people and I've been told no a lot and getting used to that rejection. But those those yeses are so much brighter, right? When you get those. And now as an author, my job is to pay that forward. I It is not lost on me that when someone reaches out to me and needs help, if I can help them, I will. I love that story for so many reasons, but one, that was a complete cold outreach to this gentleman, right? He didn't know you. You didn't have this connection through someone else. You sent him that note. And I'm stressing this point because sometimes people come in and think, how do you get these amazing quotes? We've had several folks get quotes from Daniel Pink, a number of famous authors. And Who emailed me, by the way. Yes. Yes. Daniel Pink emailed you about your book? Yeah. I asked him for a quote and he said, I can't do it right t- right now, but I'm cheering you along along the way. And I've just been emailing him. Hey, just checking in. This is what I'm doing. Hey, I'm going to be on this radio show. When I get my book in hand, I will send him a very special book and a special gift because although I didn't get an early phrase quote, who knows, we might connect again and meet each other in person someday. I'm so glad you reached out to him. He actually lives like two miles from me. I've well, seen I'm coming to visit you both. <laughs> Let me know when you get in town. But I really want to stress this story because sometimes people think, gosh, these so they figure you must have some secret connection to Marshall Goldsmith. Yeah. And my point I'm really trying to emphasize, or Daniel, the point I'm trying to emphasize is part of this creation journey is ex- one, the, the, the exploring and learning the power of creation. It, it excites people. And you share your passion, your energy about the story. And it's amazing how many are willing to support you. Certainly not everybody you shared, you did get some yeah. notes along the way. That's why you can't make one request. You have to make many, but good for you for going out and getting it. Hannah, Great to see you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with the creator community and joining the show here. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me today. Thanks, everybody. Hannah's book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is available now wherever you buy books online. Don't forget to subscribe to the creator community channel on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to leave us a review. If you're ready to write your book, visit manuscripts.com to learn how to turn your idea into a book in about one year. I'm your host of the creator community, John Saunders. Keep creating.